This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. What is up, To The Point listeners? It's your boy, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, Chris Yano, along with my COVID-infected co-host, Mr. P. Ready Tall Paul. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, minus the early HIPAA violation that you just created there. But <laughs> I'm feeling good, man. I'm on day eight of quarantine. Um, I'm vaccinated, but I have a breakthrough case of COVID-19, or maybe it's COVID-20. But hey, a COVID lot to be thankful for. I'm feeling better. And um I have a roof over my head. See what I did there? Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's nice. I'm to be grateful for hey, it. But dude, thank you, Chris. I'm glad that you're feeling okay and that you've you've powered through. Well, I'm sure you care. <laughs> hey, you want to know something like this? It's gonna be totally random. But I've been I listened to this yesterday, and I uh, I thought this is something I could share on the air with both you guys. You would appreciate it. But um, I read something on social media, and it was in a, in a famous movie that I love. And it blew me away. Now, I'm going to play, have a, a clip play for you guys. I'm going to see if you guys can recognize the movie. Oh, boy. Wretched slugs. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? I'm your huckleberry. Okay. Now, have you, do you recognize that movie? No. I'm your huckleberry. Not even close. Hunter, you recognize that movie? You're on mute. Come on, rookie. I, I was trying Zoom. to cheat and ask the people around me what it was. I mean, I should know it because of that line. It's Tombstone. Oh, the movie man. Tombstone. That's Doc Holliday. He says, I'll be your Huckleberry. All this time, I thought he said Huckleberry. But he, he did, did not? not say Huckleberry. I mean, this is like an iconic line. He says Hucklebearer. So, Interesting. back in the Old West... The handles on the caskets Not interesting. are called huckles. And now you know huh. we have pallbearers today, but they used to be called hucklebears. So yeah. fun fact for all you listening who are also blown away, like I was blown away when I was like, holy shit, I've been saying I'll be your huckleberry this whole time. And he said, Hucklebear, <laughs> meaning I'll take you one on one in a gun duel, and when I kill you, I'll carry your casket. I'll be your huckleberry. Boom. Fact. It, was that Val Kilmer who Val played Kilmer, that role? Yes. So there is a fascinating documentary on Val Kilmer. Did you know he had throat cancer? I did, yeah. Man, what a brutal, tragic, like twist in his story, man! What a stud. Yeah, he's ice man. All right, okay, let's, let's pump some life back up into this when you open moving. it with COVID. Gosh, <clears throat> sorry, buddy. Okay, listen. Put the so roof back on. Shut it down. So we're gonna talk about uh, something a little different today. However, don't hang up your phone. Don't put. Don't don't take off your headphones. Don't turn it on mute. Don't move on past this particular podcast because our guest today uh, has grown a successful business and also exited a successful business. And now he's doing it again, except he's going to keep scaling and scaling and scaling. Young guy, kind of ugly, kind of like Paul, but he's got a great personality, makes up for it and runs in it. (laughs) And we can't wait to (laughs) ask him a bunch of questions. But today's particular podcast is a friend of mine who I was just with last week in Las Vegas, International Ripping Expo, Mr. Hunter Ballou, who's the founder of, whoa, what, listen, we got RoofCon now, uh, you've got Revolt, you've got, well, you were, it was corner, uh, Cornerstone Construction, right? Yeah. Previously, yeah. and then you exited there, but, um, and then also, what's the other one that you have, um, the, there's another one, I'm missing it. What is it? Yeah, there's something else. Roofing.com. No, that one. I, so roofing.com, but then there's another one too that Amon works for. Fueled? Fueled. Okay. God, you're in so much shit. I can't keep track of it all. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to hit on some of the uh, um, the cornerstone construction stuff first and kind of what your history has been too. But I'll tell you what, every time I hear the word roofing, and I'm excited about it, every time I hear the word roofing, it makes me think of the And you know what? If the roof was on fire, roofers are going to be happy because I guess there's some work to do after the house is rebuilt. But you remember that old song, Paul? I do remember that you song. you remember who the band was that sang it? I do not. Bloodhound Gang. Huh. So, yeah, for us young, younger younger the folks. The more you know. Okay? Younger folks. But Hunter, hey, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on, brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Excited to jam out here for a little bit. That's right. We're going to get down. So um, let's do this for our listeners' sake. Um why don't you go ahead and share how you got into uh, just how you got into the trades in general, and then um, and then we'll dig into some more of the questions. So just give the uh, listeners a little bit of your history. 
Yeah, man, it wasn't on purpose. I didn't like grow up and say, Hey, I wanted to be a roofer. I can tell you that. I think it just, uh, it, it finds you and it just pulls you in. I what was, did you want to uh, be? I wanted to, to, to go into the military. So I joined the Marine Corps out of high school and I went the reserve route and started at the fire department full time. So I was in the Marine Corps reserve for six years and then at the fire department full time for five years before, before I finally jumped out and went full time into business. And when I jumped out, I started in the marketing world, kind of similar to what, you know, the guys over there at Rhino do, and found myself working with some roofers, saw the industry, saw that it was easy to make them, uh, you know, a return on their investment, like a higher multiple, because right. it's a higher ticket item, and started Cornerstone really as just like a case study. It was just an idea, late 2016, said, hey, let's just start this company. I bought the URL, started building out the website. Uh, played around with it for a little bit and then spring late spring of 2017 may of 2017 we went full on with it and the goal was just to get to to seven figures like hey how do we get two million dollars and then leverage that to bring on more clients in the roofing space i had a company called roof gen that was the name of it instead of lead, lead gen we had roof gen and i just quickly realized like man i really enjoy interacting with homeowners and giving back to the community and the marketing piece, building a brand, and then building a team. And I, I really didn't take it super serious until January of 2019, because I was still doing some marketing and consulting and all that. But January 2019 is when I really buckled down and said, hey, I'm going to take this serious. I think we've got something special. We've got a good team. Um, it, it's not super hard when you're a contractor to separate yourself, to, to create distance between you and the next guy. Um, and we realized that. So we put the hammer down and got serious about it. And so, and that was 2019 when you started to buckle down, get serious. When did you actually, like, so what does that look like through up into 220? Yep, yep. So 17 was like a million. Next year, 2 million. 2019 is when we got serious. We did like 5 million that year. And then going into 2020 is when we really wanted to hit eight figures. Um, blew past that. I think we hit it by like July of last year, even with covid uh, so I had a, had a good year and really started to think about, hey, what does an exit look like? You know, I don't want to be in roofing forever. Uh, 2019 into 2019 is when I started RoofCon and that entity. So I'd, I'd started a conference for roofers that was not focused on just how do you grow and make more money, but how do you develop as a better leader? How do you secure the legacy that you, you desire? How do you, you know, pour into your people, empower them to grow your organization and, and all the weight, not just be on you. We talk about the business stuff too, sales and marketing and supplements and all that good stuff. Uh, but we wanted to talk about self-worth too, and not just net, net worth. So 2019, that happened. That was uh, November of 2019 is when we launched it. So jump into 2020, we, we hit that eight figure mark. And at the end of 2020, I start poking around, I joined like, <laughs> when you meet me and you get to know me, you know, like when I go in on something, I go all in. So I joined several masterminds, dropped like over six figures in masterminds, trying to figure oh. out how do I build the the enterprise value of this company and eventually exit for a higher multiple than most people would. And within 60 days of joining one of those masterminds that I paid 75 K for that specific mastermind, they had set me up with a contact, a strategic buyer that was looking for a company like us and it helped you know we got a ridiculous multiple because of our access to the roofing industry um, what i didn't say was we grew roofcon from year one 2019 we, we threw it together in like 60 days and there's like probably 60 people there mm -hmm. i was super embarrassed by it but we rolled into last year with covid in houston rented out the nrg center in houston we had like 900 there with COVID. And so it just continued to grow this year. We expect two to 3000 people there. And so we had leverage in the space and they saw that as, Hey, we have a tool, we have a vehicle now to go out and acquire more roofing and solar companies. And so we got a, a great multiple for our company based on that. Got it. So listeners, the reason I, I, you guys have been hearing me talking about roofing more and more is because I mean, you, it's not a secret. We're so heavy in the HVAC plumbing electrical space, but man, I just, these guys keep buying roofing contractors and I keep having people reaching out to me now, even asking, Hey, I heard this podcast and you mentioned roofing. Do you have an, so it's key. It keeps happening. And I'm, and, and I'm seeing a pattern. So naturally kind of like you, Hunter, I go all in on something and this roofing, some roofing vertical, I'm gonna, uh, the roofing vertical I'm going to chase down because there's actually a ton of overlap between the yeah, industries. Yeah. It's a lot of similarities. 
and that's some of the stuff I want to talk to and I want our listeners to hear because it's also good. Like you've heard Ken Goodrich talk about, um, about how he'll hire people from outside the industry to give a different perspective on how to run, run and scale a business versus the same thing that you hear over and over from somebody who's in the industry and maybe have learned a specific way. So the reason I wanted to bring Hunter on here was twofold is because we're noticing this pattern, I want to hear what's going on in that industry that maybe or that these guys have done that could be applicable to you in your particular industry, um, listeners. But also, I'm ex- I'm excited because you know they've they, I get to be a keynote at Roofcon this year, so I'm excited. And what's interesting is I'm sa- I'm literally doing a keynote on the exact same shit that I've done with HVAC and plumbing and electrical that's been extremely successful. So it's the same. Like the it's the you got to, if you're going to do any sort of digital marketing whatsoever, these people, people aren't tracking it the way they should track it. It's still the same today. Like even big, big companies aren't tracking the way they should be. It blows my mind. I just got the phone call with a $18 million contractor who isn't tracking the way that, uh, that we do. Like it's just, so it still needs to be talked about. still needs to be said. It's just a lot of times you got to do it for them. So I want to ask some of these questions for you. And again, um, and, and we'll talk about it towards the end, but RoofCon in, uh, is something that is uh, September 30th through October 1st, right? Right. Second. Yeah, second. second. And down in, yeah. down in Florida. And um, and your boy Chris is going to do a keynote. So uh, if you're yeah. interested whatsoever. Yeah. Ed Mollett, John Maxwell, Craig Rochelle, Iron Cowboy. Couple. He'll be on the stage with some studs. That's it. I'm excited. Iron Cowboy. That yeah. guy is on another level. Yeah, he sure is. 101 Iron Mans yeah. in 101 days. He's a monster. Next level. So, um, and we'll talk about it again towards the end of the podcast too. And of course, we'll share some information on it because I've already had some of our own customers who are not currently roofers asking me for tickets to go and join me. So I've just given away like six of those to our, some of our current customers. So, nice. um, but now, did you have any partnerships with any uh, HVAC companies or plumbers or anything like that would refer business to you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I wouldn't say like. <clears throat> Well, like now, referral relationships. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Referrals back and forth. You know, we had some members, some some of our sales guys and networking groups, um, but not not dialed in partnerships, paperwork wise. Got it. Now, now, when you were talking about your rapid growth in the company, you said something really quickly about it was easy to kind of um, create a gap between yourself and your competitors. Break that down for me. What was your process of creating a gap? What went into it? What did you mean by creating a gap? <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, definitely different ways to explain that so first i'd say with with team building you know being able to surround myself with the right people uh was step one and to do that you've got to have a big vision and you got to be able to sell people in that vision and so for us like we automated the entire recruiting process so just building out a funnel so that it wasn't hunter taking every single call every single call every single interview like we had to build it out automate it and disqualify as many people as we could before they walk in the door. Like we, we, and you could even go look at it today at cchiring.org. If you want to rip it off, you can literally just rip off the funnel. It's just CC for Cornerstone Construction, cchiring.org. And you go there and you'll see what positions we have available, like community relations. It might be an admin. It might be a repair guy. It might be sales. If you were to go to sales, as soon as you go to the sales page, you'd see a video. It's like 12, 13 minutes long. And the first half of that video I'm talking about all the bad stuff about our industry as a salesperson. Like it's 1099, you're knocking doors, you're not getting insurance, you're not getting yada, yada, yada. Like we're trying to disqualify people so we don't waste our time with them and we don't waste their time either. Mm -hmm. And so if they've made it past that, then I'm going to sell them on the vision of where Cornerstone's going, how we're different, how we're serving the community, why they can be proud to wear our brand, why homeowners want to use us. And the things that, that matter to them, not just the money piece, like we'll sell them on that too and how they can make a hundred thousand. They might come from making 25,000 and be able to make a hundred thousand because our commitment to our team is we're always going to give the tools, the training and the technology to be successful. I've literally said that thousands of times. I'm going to give you the tools, the training and the technology to make six figures, but you have to show up and you have to provide the work ethic. If you do that, it's a guarantee, but a lot of people don't want to do that. And so when you sell them on that, they go through the funnel, they fill out a personality test, they say what their goals are, they say what they're currently making, what market they're in, what experience they have. And so we're finding out as much as we can. And as soon as they fill out that app, they schedule a phone call. Then they would go to our team success manager. We call her Mama Kim. Mama Kim would fill the phone call and make sure they're a fit. Like if they've made it to that point, nine times out of 10, they're a fit, but she's just going to make sure 
before we actually do a face-to-face. Right. And that helps us to get better, more qualified people come in the door. Once you get those better, more qualified people, your chances of keeping them long-term goes up. Then we're going to provide them what I said, the tools, training, and technology to be successful when they get there. So when our guys show up to quote a roof, to sit with Miss, you know, the grandma at the house, like they're getting a professional. They're not getting a guy that's been in the field for two days and doesn't know what he's doing. They're getting a professional and they're actually showing up on time. Like you literally can create distance just by showing up on time and showing up (laughs) at all. So it's not hard to create distance. And then in terms of value, when I talk about raising the the enterprise value and separating yourself from your competitors and being the company that people want to buy instead of just looking at, you know, bidding on it, that's through proprietary information, tech. There's so many things. So like for us, we we built a Facebook group here in, in one of our markets with 90,000 people in it. And one of our other markets, we have one with 30,000 people in it. We have the email list. We have many chats set up. So there's so many things we've done to set up the recruiting funnel itself, the training. We've got a training called Six Figure Blueprint with hundreds of videos in it. So as soon as someone comes in, they get access to that. So we, we try to set ourselves up so that we're different than everyone else and, and ensure success for our team if they put in the work. Is your operational model different than the typical roofing company? Maybe compare and contrast what, um, what your competition looks like. For those listeners who um, are listening to this, who've never been in roofing, who have a preconceived notion of a roofing business, how is yours different? Describe kind of both sides of that. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say uh, a lot of it ties into the other trades listening to this too, right? HVAC, electrical, yep. plumbing. Uh, I got guys that are painters, so many different industries that this applies to. And and one, like you you said the word operational. One thing is just having an operating system. Like you, you actually have an operating system. Most people don't, right? They're just shooting from the hip, running around, trying to get things done. And I get it. Like as an entrepreneur, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to grow a team. You're trying to get that team to sell. You're trying to market and get leads. And then there's the whole back end of actually production and getting the job done. And then the most important piece is the biggest pain in the butt is if we're being honest and nobody wants to talk about this collections, like you can sell all you want, but if you can't collect it, it doesn't matter. Like if you sell $10 million, that doesn't mean you're a $10 million company. You got to collect $10 million. <laughs> so nobody talks about cash flow, and that's kind of the, the, the one that hangs most people up. But you have yeah. to build out the processes for that. So having an actual chart in place, having an operating system so everyone's on the same page and knows what the biggest problems are in the organization and are collectively together working on solutions on a regular basis to move the organization forward, it's crucial. Like it has to happen. Yeah. So I want to, um, yeah. So actually you got my, you got my brain thinking on, yeah, you can make a sale. Do you got to go and collect that money or don't mean, it's almost like when you tell your sales guys, Hey man, I made a sale. I'm like, let me see, let me see. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah. You did, like, let me see that signature. Did they pay you? <laughs> did did that, that card go through? Um, but now, so with it, we actually have some great um, manufacturer relationships. You know that are are great partners for us, and you know, and we add value to to them. You know, and the contractors that utilize uh, us through those partnerships, they have value to us because they are able to bring us those particular you know uh, contractors to work with. So. In the roofing industry, I'm, you know, obviously you guys have shingle manufacturers. You have got different manufacturers too. Do do the manufacturers in your in in the roofing world help you grow like that? Do they bring solutions to you beyond just like, hey man, these are, these are the shingles that we offer to you. Here's your price yeah. book on it. But was there additional things they bring to you like training, sales, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So you got to ask for it. You got to be aware of it. And that's part of what we do. You're familiar with the revolt. Jeff came out to, to one of the retreats and that's one of the pieces we train on there um, is, you know, leveraging your partnerships, whether it's the manufacturer of your product, whether it's the supplier of your product, how can you leverage that relationship? So for us, man, like last year we saw about three to $400,000 in benefit from our manufacturer and supplier relationships uh, through straight cash from rebates that they would just give us quarterly or monthly. Nice. Um, one of them gave them monthly, one of them gave them quarterly um, through saying, hey, we want to buy new hats. So we'd go buy hats, we'd send them the bill. We wrapped 30 or 40 trucks last year. And so they pay for half of that. When we have retreats, we do a retreat for you know all of our sales guys. We take 50, 60, whatever guys to on a retreat. They'd pay for half of the retreat, rent the Airbnbs. We did a top sales guys retreat so like the top 10 guys we took to to key west they paid for the entire trip 
So leveraging those, and then from a training perspective, same thing. If you're investing into yourself, and that means they're going to get more business because you're buying more material, they have every reason to do it. And and one thing that people don't know, and I can say that I was this guy, you know, I'm a Southern guy. Like, I don't like getting anything from anybody. Like, we will fight to the death at supper because I don't want you to pay for my food. Like, I can't stand <laughs> when someone pays for my food. And so for a long time, I was ignorant to the fact that these guys have to spend that money. Like they have to spend it. They have the money to spend and they'd rather spend it on a, uh, on a guy like me and you that's out there hustling. And they know we're going to grow because they know if they invest in us, we're going to stay and be committed to them long-term. There's a lot of guys out there that try to, when I, when I say leverage, they're saying leverage people against each other. I'm not saying don't be smart and go compare pricing and, and, you know, hold them accountable and make sure that they're treating you right. But I'm not the guy that's out there saying like, well, this guy's $5 cheaper. Nah, man. Like I'm trying to build a relationship, a true partnership with my suppliers and manufacturers. Cause I know when I'm in a bond and there's a half million dollar job and I need the material cheaper so I can meet margin, he's going to take care of me. So I'm trying to build true partnerships and not just, Hey, you're a supplier of mine, manufacturer of mine. And we just do business every once in a while. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Right, because let's be honest. I mean, the, I would say, uh, guessing you'll agree with me, but most homeowners probably really don't care what manufacturer you're using for their roofing shingles. Is that fair? Well, yeah, because they don't really care. I mean, yeah, it's, it is what you tell them it is. They don't know. Exactly. They, they don't yeah. So there, again, same similarities. A lot of times, you know, whether it be air conditioners or furnace or whatever, like people don't necessarily, they're essentially buying you. Right. And, but you need to leverage that relationship. And, and I love talking about this because um, a lot of times contractors have this um, like tumultuous relationship with their rep from the manufacturer versus like just being kind, being thoughtful. But you had said something about loyalty. Then I think loyalty goes a long way because you're right. The more loyal you are, the more loyal they are back to you to kind of have a true partnerships. So that's leveraging your manufacturer relationships is super important. And it's, and you know, multiple industries, same thing. Everybody's kind of got that manufacturers, um, you know, but you also, you also said something that was key is you got to ask, like you have to, you know, initiate those conversations and ask for things and maybe ask again and again and again. So, yeah. and, and a lot of it is dependent on your rep. You know, not everybody is super lucky. Like I was where my first shingle manufacturer and first supplier, like the reps, I just hit it off with their younger guys. We got along good. You know, we could go drink a beer on Saturdays and hang out like the retreats. We, they enjoyed coming to the retreats with us. So there was some luck there. You might get, you know, you might get a, a rep that is the biggest in the territory and your business doesn't mean much to him because you're not the big dog yet. Or maybe you're a new business trying to work with him and he doesn't care about you. So, you know, for me, as we grew into multiple markets, one thing I was always strategic about in every market we went to, I wanted to be at the smallest supplier there because I knew we were going to quickly become their biggest account. And I wanted them to treat us like we were the big fish in a small pond. Got it. Tell me about the growth when you say going into different markets, how many markets did you end up in and what was your model for taking what worked in like Greenville where you are and multiplying it, duplicating it in another market. Yeah. Give us all the details prior to prior to you selling. Then I want to hear that story. Yeah, yeah. So we went to to Charleston. So we started in Greenville, went to Charleston, went to Charlotte, went to Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and I can tell you, man, like the from an operational standpoint, not super difficult. Like we just go to the next supplier, set up an account. We could find crews. It was pretty easy to find crews. Our training was the same training. Our processes were the same processes. You know, CRM, all of those things. It literally comes down to leadership. Mm -hmm. If a market's going to be successful, you're opening a new market. It's just leadership. That that's all it comes down to is: Do you have the right guy in the right seat who can sell the vision like you do, who can attract the right people through that vision, and then can hold them accountable to doing what they're supposed to do and achieving the goals that they say they want to achieve? 
for us, when we talk about like revolt and talking about self-worth and not just net worth, that's, that's a big part of our success with Cornerstone too, was we invested in the people. We didn't care just about what they brought to the company, like what their revenue was, what their commission was going to be. Sure. We pushed them to make a hundred thousand dollars, but we wanted to make sure that they were happy at home too, that they were being the best father they could be, the best husband they could be, best wife they could be. And so that means something to people. And then when you hold them fiercely accountable after the fact, it's because they said they wanted X, Y, Z. I didn't say that. I didn't write it down for them. They said that I'm just being the true friend I should be and leader I should be by holding them accountable. I love that. And you've mentioned revolt a couple of times. I know we're going to get to that, but could you tell me what that is as it relates to the business and yeah. as a, as its own entity? Yeah. So it's a, it's a mastermind for contractors, uh, mostly in the roofing space since I'm in the roofing space. And uh, we have guys from all over the country. We usually keep it like 30 to 40. Uh, so it doesn't get, get too full because we want it to be more of an intimate setting, especially when we have the retreats. So what we do is we have, uh, we have free retreats about every month and it's literally free. Like there's no catch. You come out, lodgings taken care of. I rent like a huge cabin with 30 beds in it. 30 or so guys will come out. We have a schedule that we have continued to refine and just get locked down that we see literally change lives. And so for two and a half days, we just go through that schedule and we work with people. And at the end of it, if they want to join Revolt, the paid membership, then they join. And so that one is a little higher level. We have like two retreats a year they get to come to that's only for paid members. It's not the free retreat. They get tickets to RoofCon. They get all kind of training. So um, they get week, uh, calls every other week with some of our trainers and coaches. Like we pay guys like like Chris to come in and train and help them with marketing. And and uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I know that we sent our director of business development Jeff over to Gatlin. Was it you guys in Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge somewhere? There, right? Yeah. And um and he said it was. I mean, for him coming from our world of so heavy HVAC plumbing electrical that it was a great balance of business and um and just your and really like self like you said you know your self worth versus net worth. There's a lot of like self help stuff in there too that he really thought was helpful. But he said the mix was really good. So it was yeah. technical, you know, and personal type of training stuff, because that's kind of what it's about for you too. You, I've heard you say a few times self-worth, you know, and net worth, um, but both those to you are equal playing fields, right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, man, I always say impact over income. Like I'm focused on impact first and the income will follow. follow. And so when they come in day one is all self-worth. We're so intentional about not answering questions about business. We tell them to write it down in the journal and be ready for day two. Cause we'll cover it then but we've got to set the base of what we're about when they come in day one. And then day two, when it moves to the business side, we're going to give them everything they could imagine to leave there and, and see a return on investment. And when I say investment, like they don't invest in anything other than their time and coming out, but we appreciate that sacrifice. Like we're aware that it was a sacrifice to be away from your business, be away from your family. So we're going to do what it takes so that you see an ROI. Yeah. I'm trying to get Chris and those guys to do one for the HVAC and plumbing space. <laughs> well, I, I'm just fascinated by, and Chris and I've talked about this multiple times, just how communities are growing, purpose-built, purpose-centered communities are growing, and then the business side becomes the secondary piece. So I want to go back to, you know, you're building this business, you can go into any market, you plan a leader in, you sell the vision, you shared with us what the vision is, you eventually sold that company. Um, what was that process like and what did you learn from it? Uh, yeah. Um, it was fun, man. You know, it's it's a grind. Like I said, I never really wanted to be in the, the roofing space or contracting space, but I found joy in uh, what we were able to do with, with people inside of our organization. Because mm -hmm. again, like you, when you provide the tools for them to be successful and they put in the work, you see change. Mm -hmm. So seeing a guy come in that was 50 years old and, and I've got story and story and story and story like this. Um, and I'll just share a couple here. You know, I, I can still remember being at, at the, uh, at the beach in North Carolina, Memorial day, 2019, this new, new guy wanted to come in. He's 50 years old. He had interviewed with us. He had called and called and called and been relentless in his follow-up want to be a part of our team. And I just didn't know if it was a cultural fit. And so we were just kind of holding on. We had gone up North Carolina. We were working a, a little storm up there. And this guy called again. 
And so the, the sales manager at the time, like, dude, this guy's just freaking driving me nuts. I was like, damn, man, if he's that relentless and follow up with you, like he'll, he's probably going to be like that with, with homeowners. Tell him if he'll come. It was like seven or eight o'clock at night and we were five hours away. Um, we were in Raleigh and I said, tell him if he will come here tonight and commit to working this storm for two weeks, he's got a job. Dude was there in five hours. And so we drove from Raleigh to the beach in North Carolina. We were doing a little, uh, a little get together, a little mini retreat. We we're celebrate celebrating a big week. And so he got to be a part of that, even though he had just joined, I rented this yacht and I remember sitting on the back of the yacht and this guy, you know, 50 years old, twice my age could be my dad is telling me how he, he hasn't had much financial success, had been struggling and he hadn't had a vacation with his wife in seven years. And I'm thinking like, dude, you can just like go take a vacation anytime. Like it's not that hard, you know, but in his mind, like he just couldn't take a vacation. He couldn't afford to, he's just focused on grinding and making money and figuring it out. And within six months of coming on, my man's in Costa Rica with his wife. And, and since then has done vacation after vacation after vacation. And it is so cool to see, you know, it, it wasn't even that he couldn't do it. It wasn't even the money that, that changed it. It was the mind shift that, that changed for him. And then having a, a brick mason come in that was making $26,000 a year. And his goal was, hey, man, I want to be able to build a house and have five or 10 acres. And his income going from 26 grand a year to $100,000 a year plus and wanting 20, 30, 40, 50 acres and just knowing that it's possible. And I, again, I could give so many stories about weight loss and marriage saved. And, and it, that is what pumps me up, the impact, not the income. Love it. And you guys did a wise retreat too, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, like two weeks ago. Sweet. So, so obviously clearly you guys uh, nail it on culture. Right. And, and I've, I've always said um, that I believe like when you go to these revolt retreats, you got to make sure you're, you're open and you're vulnerable. And I look at vulnerability uh, as a strength um, when used the right way, but vulnerability can be a strength, but clearly you were able to create a good, a good culture. And a lot of this is some foundational things that you've used from your own business. Now, when you went to, let's go ahead and go forward into when you, when did you know you actually wanted to sell the business or is that what you thought? Like, did it now? So, because I, because you and I were able to have a conversation about this. So I want to actually, I want the listeners to hear through your thought process on when is the right, because we've gone through a lot of that in the last year and a half with mergers and acquisitions in the HVAC plumbing electrical space. Yeah. But what was on your mind? Because you, you, I don't think you were clear on like, Hey, I want to make a complete exit. It was like a, uh, you know, I'm going to partner, but yeah. what, to walk us through that process on like when you knew you wanted to sell and then how then, and what, uh, what ended up happening? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 2020 spring of 2020 i'd i'd started thinking about it and then again end of 2020 is when i got serious joined some of those masterminds so that i could learn how to raise the multiple who i should be talking to is it a private equity firm is it an individual is it you know figuring out one of my competitors that wants to scoop us up is it someone in another market who wants to expand here and just buy us uh, so trying to figure out what the, the strategy looked like on that and when I joined that mastermind and they said, Hey, you know, we've got someone who's interested. It's a publicly traded company and they're looking to buy really soon. I, I honestly wasn't super interested because I didn't think I, I, I knew we weren't where I wanted to be, where I wanted to exit at. And when I say I knew, I, I say that because we weren't like, we got a higher multiple because of our leverage in the space, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So some other things at play there, and that that really ties into what I said with proprietary information, proprietary tech, like some of those things matter. And then as important as anything, it is having a strategic buyer, like finding a strategic buyer that needs you, needs something you have, needs the market you're in, maybe some technology you have in terms of, you know, whether it's a, an app that you built out, maybe it's your data, your list, maybe it's your training, maybe it's the recruiting system. Like, what do they have that they need to bolt on? Because you may look at your recruiting system and say, hey, it's pretty good and it's helped us scale. But maybe they have 10 other companies inside of their umbrella. What if they could plug that recruiting system into their umbrella? What, what does that do for their entire umbrella? They're willing to pay twice what you're worth because it's going to increase the entire enterprise value by... 10x when they do it to the other 10 companies right so for me it was you know just 
being willing to have the conversation because I knew that even if we didn't get an offer that we liked, it was a learning experience and I'd be better for it the next time. Yep. And I could take that, that experience, that wisdom perspective and use it the next time. Got it. Oh, sorry, Paul. I so, see you. I see you. No, that's fine. So, so you've sold that business and now you're focused on the events and community and mastermind. What, what does that look like? And what's your vision? Where do you want to take that? Cause you're, you're pretty young. I'm guessing you're mid thirties, if not early thirties. Yeah. Just, just turned 30, man. Heart, okay. heart and over that. Yeah. It's rough. We've got a, we've got a child in the room. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call you Papa seat. Paul. Papa <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so roofing.com is is our umbrella brand, and we have RoofCon underneath that, the event. We have Revolt, the Mastermind. We have KickTap, um, an app we've been working on for almost two years that is supposed to drop at RoofCon. We have a couple other uh, acquisitions we're looking at um, I can't really speak to yet in the, in the SaaS world, uh, yep. two specifically, and those – probably will be announced at RoofCon, uh, but wanted to continue to grow the enterprise value of roofing.com. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, I had a, I had a meeting earlier and I was kind of chatting with Chris offline of, we don't know what that route looks like. Do I, do I keep growing it for years to come or do we, you know, go to private equity? Do we try to IPO? Like, I don't know, you know, we're going to continue to put in the sweat, attract the right people um, and see what, see what happens. Like we've got some good things coming, but, um, as fast as I like to move, I, I try to be a little more patient on those big moves to make sure that it is the right move and it benefits everyone inside the organization as much as it can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like everything's moving really, really fast for you. Yeah. Or not fast enough. <laughs> I yeah. Can, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to ask a cool question too, and I'm kind of taking a step back just because I think it's uh, extremely important to hit on. Um, you had mentioned, obviously you cast the vision over and over and over and over again, like, and that way everybody's kind of marching to be the same drum. And then you empowered leaders, which is another key piece of scaling that business into other markets. Um, but those leaders were also following that same vision and, and hopefully pounding that same vision in over and over and over again in their particular markets. Now let's talk about the training piece of it, because you got to have this ongoing training as well. Um, was there some, any sort of cadence you had with training or, um, like, you, um, Paul, do you remember, uh, let me shift gears for just a second. Do you remember when we had, um, Tom Howard on who talked about, mm -hmm. he gave, he put everybody on his team through leadership training from the janitor all the way up. Yep. You remember that? Yep. Like that, that has stuck with me for so long that I've been trying to figure out like, and, ta and actually talking to Tom, like on. Hey man, how do I put everybody through leadership training? I've seen so much value in that. So that's yeah. me trying to think of constantly, what can I do to, to continue to train and make everybody in Rhino better, regardless if it's specific to their position or not? Were there yeah. things that you did or like consistent trainings that you did to help your team grow that weren't just technical? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so six-figure blueprint that I mentioned, the, the training system we built out, that consisted of a lot of, of training that I did just like this in front of a computer. They had to watch my ugly face for hours at a time doing loom videos. Um, and not just roofing specific. It was, how do you schedule your week for success? How do you develop as a leader? How do you recruit other people? Um, so there was a lot involved that was not roofing related and we would go out and buy other people's course and then put it in. Like, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, 12 week year, the book 12 week year, like they have a course and we put that course in there and require them to watch that course. Uh, part of our advancement structure, like to move from just a project manager to a senior project manager to an executive project manager is you had to hit X, Y, Z, of course, in sales and time there and helping other people. But it was also, you have to go to some kind of event or conference outside of the industry. Now we'll pay for it. And one of those, for example, is like John Maxwell, IMC going and getting certified as a coach or speaker and, and just developing outside of the roofing industry. Because when you empower people and you show that you're truly bought into them and you get the buy-in, like you can sell the vision and get the buy-in, but when they see the result, like when they actually see the result for themselves, then they're really sold. Like they can buy it, but they might not be sold when they see the result they're sold. Yeah. The reason I, I love that you're, I'm trying to tee you up to have those conversations is because Industry doesn't matter. 
with that kind of training. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It's all applicable. Mm. It's all leadership skill. It's all accountability. It's all motivation. It's like, it's, it's leadership, right? And yeah. you got to have it. And it's all stuff that you have to do. And I love the fact that you keep that you're saying outside of the industry, because it is easy to get pigeonholed in the way it's always been done in a particular industry. And it's, you know, to stay progressive and to stay ahead of your comp- your competitors, just by pushing them outside of your own industry training can give you a competitive advantage. Yeah. And that dude, we have so many people reach out about RoofCon and coming to RoofCon because they see that it's not just about roofing. Like right. our keynotes, even the one, I think there's only one or two that are, yeah. So you'll be marketing. That's pretty generic. There'll be one that sells. He's from the roofing industry, but it'll be sales. So that's generic. There's Danny Kerr. He'll be operating system. And so that's pretty generic. And then you've got Craig, Ed Mollett, John Maxwell, they're all leadership and, oh, yeah. and more of that. So it, we, we try to keep it again, self-worth. How do you build yourself as a better leader and secure the legacy you desire? And then the business stuff comes through breakouts and networking at the booths and, and things like that, because you can take that stuff home with you and figure out, but there's a lot of power in getting around people from other industries. Like that's why I spend six figures a year in masterminds. Dude, when you go to a mastermind and there's 90% other industries in there and you can take from their industry and innovate in your industry, distance. Bingo. Higher value. So don't get locked in on just spending time with people in your industry. Yep. So good. Question about salespeople. So what are the foundations of building a good salesperson? And then what does it take for you to make them good to great? So if you look back, I can only imagine the the number of applicants you've had and the number of people who've went out and not made it. Tell me about what are the foundations and what makes the good ones great? Yeah. Um, in terms of like identifying that early on, man, I've always said, if I can figure out work ethic before you ever actually work with someone, I'm going to be a billionaire. Um, <laughs> that's super tough. But I, I try to do little, little things, man. Like I told you about the guy coming to, to Raleigh five hours mm-hmm. away. I've done that countless times. The operations manager for, for RoofCon, uh, Michaela, it was like five or six o'clock at night, a year and a half ago. When I first talked to her, she applied to be my EA. We were on the phone. She starts telling me about her event experience. I'm like, Hey, I got this event coming up. I didn't have anyone working full-time on RoofCon. I really don't know what would have happened last year <laughs> if I wouldn't have hired her. Um, so it was like a, a God thing, I guess that, that she fell into place, but I'm talking to her and I guess that's like good entrepreneurial instincts too. But just in my mind, it pivoted from, I don't need her as an EA. I need her to help me with RoofCon. Um, and so I was like, would you be interested in this? At least having a, a conversation. And so she said, yes. And I'm like, how soon can you be at the office? And she's like 45 minutes away. It's like, I think it's six o'clock at night. She's planning supper, whatever. She's like, I guess I could come right now. So I'm like, perfect. So she comes up there. I didn't even know this until like six months ago, a year after she's hired. Um, she said her mom was in the car and she had her phone ready to call her mom because she didn't know if I was some creeper, like trying to lure her into an office <laughs> late at night. Um, so that was really funny, but I try to do little things like that, dude. I've interviewed so many people at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night just to see if they really want it. Like, I'm not super interested in someone that's like, well, I can only make it from two to 3 PM on Tuesday. And if that doesn't work, then two weeks from now, like, dude, they're not hungry enough. They don't want it. Nope. So that's like step number one is I try to create some, um, friction to see how bad they actually want it. After that, it's just, are they going to show up and put in the work again? Like you're giving them everything they need. Are they going to put in the work? Once you, once you sell them on the vision and you show them what's possible. And another thing I talk about a lot is having a common mission as a company, not a mission statement, not your core values. This is something completely separate, a common mission. What is everybody working towards? Not the revenue, not their personal commission, but something that's purposeful and impacts the community, impacts people outside of themselves. And so for us, we, we built out a nonprofit called Cornerstone Kids. And so we give back to Cornerstone Kids. So the guys know like, hey, every dollar that comes in, 1% is going to that. Like if we do $10 million, $100,000 is going to that. So last year in the middle of COVID, they shut all the proms down. I got tagged in a post, my, my alma mater, my high school I went to was looking for a place to do their prom and I just got tagged asking where we had done my 10 year high school reunion. They're like, Hey, where'd you do it at? How much was it? And we saw it as an opportunity to serve and give back to the kids. Cause 
like when I graduated high school, I went off to the military, like as soon as I finished. And so I hated the thought of these kids not being able to get together and spend time together if they wanted to. If they didn't want to go, it's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. It's COVID. We waited a couple months until everything died down to, to actually do it. We did them in July of last year, and most of the proms were going to be in May. So we thought it was going to be, you know, a little bit more dead. Um, and so one prom turned into two, it turned into three, turned into 12 proms. We Damn. did 12 proms for thousands of kids in the upstate. And naturally, we got a ton of exposure for that. And so I'm sure it came back to us, but it wasn't about that. Like, yeah. the 40 grand was 40 grand because – our team busted their ass out there selling on days where they didn't feel like it. It was hot. It was raining. It was late at night and they're closing deals. But when they see that moment, when they see the opportunity for these kids to come together and enjoy one last moment together before they go off to college, before they go off to the military, whatever it is, and they got to go and be a part of that 12 different times and dance together and spend time with their teammates at Cornerstone. They knew it was something more than just their commission or revenue for Cornerstone. So you got to figure out what your common mission is. And I I don't think it's something that just the leader gets to decide. For me, I took my team to Salt Lake City and we had a retreat and we sat around in a circle, literally Indian style on the floor. And we said, what do we care about collectively as a team? The big three that most people say are like homeless people, veterans and kids. And for us as a team, we said kids was what we wanted to focus on leadership, like developing these kids as leaders. My wife is sitting over here beside me. She runs Cornerstone Kids now. And does like one of the events is called Life 101. They're doing it this Sunday. They'll do it here at Fueled. Have a bunch of kids in here and we'll focus on developing them, them as leaders, how to change a tire, financial literacy, fitness, the importance of nutrition, the importance of staying away from substance abuse, addiction, things like that. And so bringing those kids together and giving our guys an opportunity to lead outside of Cornerstone has been just crucial, man. So for you, if you're listening to this and you're the you're the business owner, you're a sales manager, you're a leader, I don't care if you're the brand new guy, but you're a leader within the organization, what can you do to create a common mission for your company? Because everybody will be bought in. Selfishly, as a leader, you should want to do it because everybody buys in. And so figure out what you're passionate about and who the people you are, are that you want to serve. Marry those two things and find the purpose that you're chasing. You've got stunning clarity for a 30-year-old. Dude, I just wrote down like, good God, by 30 years old. Um, it's super it's super impressive. But now you understand like the draw I had. And literally, literally, whenever I was going into the roofing industry, Hunter was my third, I think, conversation I'd had at this point in time with some big players and like and trying to figure out which direction I wanted to go. I watched a video of him and, an, and another guy I just met. Um, and then when he and I connected, I was like, Dude, this because this is my guy. Like, is our vision? Like, Paula knows me well. We're very we are, we have so many similarities. Except your, I mean, obviously you're thirty. You've already you've done you did more than I did by the time I was thirty years old. But I love I love your attitude. I love your um your willingness to help. Uh, I love that you just go all in on things. But the but the purpose is much greater than the revenue. Like I don't remember what you said. But we say you know, revenue or reputation over revenue here. But um, I just love that you go all in it. But your mission is much greater. And I always believe if you chase down um, this this big mission, if you make it more than the money, you make it about client fulfillment and employee satisfaction, those two things combined, push it forward, the revenue will follow. That's doing good. Doing good is good business. So um, we're like 50 minutes into this thing, 45, 50 minutes into this thing. So I want to go ahead and start to wrap it up. Um, it's going fairly quick. So we've talked a lot about RoofCon. We've talked a lot about Revolt, about Cornerstone, the things you've done. You've, you've actually shared quite a bit of leadership stuff that you've done. Um, but I love that you hit on that uh, the going outside of the of the industry to learn and to try and uh, take something away from it to grow your business is something you've done and been successful. We've heard those a few times, Paul, where people are doing things like that. And coincidentally, yeah. or maybe not a coincidence, those are all extremely successful businesses. So yeah. what I want to do is give the listeners an opportunity to um, connect with you or anybody on your team. And so can you just share a how they can connect with either you um, or revolt or, you know, obviously you can go to roofing.com and find everything, um, underneath yeah. that whole umbrella. But, and then also, um, the, uh, for anybody that is like considering, if you look at this and you're considering wanting to go to RoofCon, check it out, go see Ed Milet, Craig Rochelle, um, you know, the iron cowboy, John Maxwell, all those guys, Cristiano, Cristiano is keynote speaker, which is probably your favorite. Um, you know, we have a little, uh, like Hunter's got a little offer for you. So why don't you just share the con- best contact info and then we'll kind of give that offer and then we'll close it out. Yeah. Yeah. So roofing.com is a good resource. 
If you do want to come to ReefCon, if you want to join our free Facebook group, we got about 23,000 contractors right now. It's called Roofing and Solar Community, but we do have some people, some other uh, contractors in there now. So if you go to the Facebook group, again, you can search Roofing and Solar Community or just go to Roofing.com and click Join Community and it'll forward you there. Uh, You can ask questions in there, share wins in there, share losses and what you need to do to win. Um, We're happy to help you. You can find me personally on Facebook just at HunterBlue.com. Perfect. And uh, we'll obviously make sure to share um, the contact info as well. And then, um, and if our, you know, what we'll do is I think we'll share this on the Facebook page too. And I'm actually getting ready to, to um, today, I'm actually going into the group and to the roofing and solar committee and, and doing a little intro for the first 15 minutes. So nice. get there fast enough. I think that's in like what, two hours, two hours, something like that. Um, I'll be on there. I don't know. You don't even know, yeah. but I'll be on there anyhow. Um, but we have a hundred dollars off on every ticket for anybody who wants to include that. So um, I'll leave more information, you know, in the actual post along with uh, this particular podcast. So I appreciate you, you uh, offering that up to our listeners, man. I think the code is just Rhino, hundred bucks off per ticket um, by the twenty first. Spell R Y N O. R Y N O. All caps. Damn right. There you Get go. That right. Oh man. My hey, dude. Listen, I appreciate you coming on, man. And I'm glad that. Uh, um, we got to spend time together last week. That was helpful. And, uh, and I'm excited, man. I'm not only am I excited for RoofCon, I'm just excited for our, our friendship. I mean, shit, the conversations you and I've had in between <laughs> really Vegas and, you know, it wasn't about, it was about daily anymore, but I love where your head's at. Cause my head's in the same spot. So, um, congrats on your success, brother. And thanks for coming on and give us your time. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Thanks. Congratulations. All right. So yeah. listeners, hopefully you had some good takeaways from that too. Obviously there was a lot in there. Uh, if you listen close enough, there's a lot in there too. Hopefully you take some notes, but like we always say, ambition without action is what Paul? It's useless, it's Chris, useless like son. a vaccine with COVID-19. Pretty much exactly like that. Damn. Boom. <laughs> Laid it down. I want to go ahead and share. Well, actually let me give a quick shout out too to uh, a, uh, a, a, one of our customers that's in Hickory, North Carolina landmark grouping, Justin Phillips. So shout out to you. I listened to this particular podcast, just came on board as a rhino. We're excited to, to work with him out and, North Carolina. Finish it, Paul. Come on and raise up. That's it. <laughs> All right. Now. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Hunter oh almost God. ripped Hunter his almost shirt ripped off. ripped his shirt off and waved it around his head like a helicopter. Okay. We'll get back on track. So, quick, we, as you guys know, we usually finish with a review. We got a five-star review. If I'm not even going to try and pronounce this particular name. Um, what do you think that says? Built. BLT dog lovers. BLT dog lovers got. This I don't know what the hell it is, but thank you, whoever you are. Uh, it says such a positive force in the industry. One of my favorite podcasts, so much knowledge, energy, and enthusiasm for the trades. Love listening and connecting with others from the HVAC industry. You guys are awesome. Thank you. So, bolt dog leverage, jizzle, baba. Uh, thank you. <laughs> that was awful close. That was awful close. Someone had to type that in. I know. What the hell? So, listeners, we appreciate we you guys you. so much. Hunter, thank you. TPA, appreciate you, brother. And until next time, we'll see you.